Happy belated 2022, everyone. I hope you're all in good health. As promised, we finally got around to editing this last episode. But before we get into that, I would just like to give a quick update. So as you might have noticed, we haven't put out any episodes this year. Um, and that's because there has been a sudden explosion of COVID cases here in the US. And unfortunately, I got it as well. I was out of work for a few weeks, so granted my symptoms weren't as bad, but it was still hard for me. Um, Des also felt the impact as well at some point, being the only person working at her office. So it has put a strain on everybody, but we will resume recording as soon as we can. Now, if you want to skip ahead to the interviews, those will be around the 51 minute mark. Happy listening, everyone. What's good, y'all? And welcome back to What Goes On BTS. I'm Des, a.k.a. Help! That guy stole my pogo stick! I'm glad you didn't tell me because it just reminded me of how funny I thought that was. <laughs> and I'm Viv, aka I was led astray. Okay. And this is the show where we keep you in the know of what goes on with BTS through having fun, standing jokes, and trying our best to be informative and sometimes having deeper and more nuanced conversations. Yes. So, in today's episode, Viv, what are you going to be talking about? Mm-hmm. Well, in the later part of the interview, of the episode, not the interview, we are not being interviewed, sorry. In the later part of the episode, we're going to talk about the Rolling Stone interviews. Um, we previously had discussed the group one, but solo members, the member solo interviews just were released, like, you know, uh, gradually over the past few weeks. So, we're going to delve deep into these interviews because I thought they were very interesting and thought-provoking. Same. But before then, before then, let's start off with food and merch. Are you hungry? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) The BTS meal... So it was finally unveiled on May 26th, and I think that there was an ad, the BTS ad, that I think was also unveiled on the same day. Either that or probably a few days later. Or before. I feel like it was the day before. I don't know. I feel like it was the day before. It might have been the day before. I don't know. I just know I woke up, and it was that day, and there was that ad. I know... Whenever the BTS meal, like when it dropped, it was airing on TV because my mom oh, called okay. me and she was like, "Did you know that BTS has a meal at McDonald's?" <laughs> so, have you gotten a chance to try it? Yes. Um, by tried, I mean like I purchased it. 
Um, I know I said like previously, I do not eat meat. I do eat seafood. I'm a pescatarian. Okay. So I gave the chicken nuggets to my friend and I did try the sauces with the French fries that came with it. So the sauces were delicious. Very much into those. Um, sweet chili. That was like the business. Um, the Cajun sauce to me tastes like a spicy hus- honey okay. mustard. It also kind of vaguely reminded me of crawfish sauce like which is like a cajun thing so i was like okay i do see the play on cajun because i know like another episode i was like where where's cajun <laughs> but i do actually see it, it does kind of taste somewhat like that so i was like yeah i get it i get it it's good both of them i like them both i, I prefer the cajun okay, okay. though so yeah um i think i was on twitter on that particular day when the meal came out first i think it came out it was coming out in the in like countries worldwide, but a later time. So I guess the first country that got it was the U.S. Ah, okay. Yes. So there were it didn't all come out at the same time, but the first country I know it was the U.S. And you know, people's reaction, people had mixed reactions. First of all, the packaging. People yeah. expected Bora hey packaging. They did not get that. <laughs> Look at my fry container. I just got the meal earlier today, y'all. Look, yes. Did you see this? That, is that no. purple? No. <laughs> so essentially, because I was on the time, I just happened to be, I was at work, but I just happened to have time to be on the timeline. And, you know, people's reactions, you know, some people were like, you know, you know, packaging aside, like, you know, the sauces were pretty good, but I feel that mcdonald's should have told us before that you know some countries were not gonna have the borahe packaging because i know yeah yeah it's not i think it's only the u.s because canada has it the other countries have it it's just the u.s that does not have the borahe packaging yeah um and maybe maybe a couple of other places because it might not be everywhere in you know mm-hmm. certain countries all have it different locations because all of the McDonald's locations, you know, they're privately mm-hmm. owned. So it's a corporation that you buy okay. into. So, you know, might be a little bit different in certain places. But yeah, a lot of people did have that purple packaging that was advertised to us. Like purple packaging for the nuggets, the drink, you know, all the fry container, all of that. Yeah. And over here, it seems like a lot of locations in the U.S., you know, um, we we were let down a little bit. Uh, I did get an actual BTS okay. bag. Like, it has, like, the symbol okay. on it. So, I did actually get that. I know some people didn't even yeah. get that. So, yeah. I mean, I'm appreciative that they even carried the meal. But, yeah, McDonald's definitely should have let people know out here. It's exactly. Like, like listen, hey, it's, it's not going to come with a best. Like, you know, at least let us, you know, lower our expectations. Bro, let us know, especially like if you're all up camped up under everybody's, you know, tweets and talking to us all day and every day, being like, "Ooh, can't y'all can't <laughs> wait for this? Ooh, we got like a whole, you know, like comeback schedule for this BTS meal. Like you got all this going on, and then all of a sudden when the day comes and we're like, "Hey, man, what? Where's our purple packaging? You're MIA. Nowhere to be found. Crickets." Like. <laughs> Oh, I'm crying. 
but yeah, but people said the those people have been like approving the sauces. People said the sauces were pretty good. Yeah, when you try it, I okay. think you'll like. I have them. not stepped into a McDonald's in like seven years, so you know, BTS will break the streak for me. <laughs> well, you know what? That's why they have drive-through. You still don't have to step <laughs> in there. Let me say, I've not had McDonald's in seven years. Let me put it oh, down. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And now from the food, merch, <laughs> clothing, the merch is in full effect. I know that we were talking about, oh yeah, you know, make sure you try to steal, you know, your homies <laughs> t-shirt if they work at McDonald's and maybe you can sell them on eBay. Well, Bombi D was like, <laughs> y'all thought actually what we're going to do is we're going to just make it available on Weavers because why I want my coin, run me my business. <laughs> the billionaire bunk pd <laughs> listen he was like we have things to do over here at high labels also Young needs a new pair of gucci slides he, like we have things to do so yes you could buy that mcdonald's crew shirt that all of the employees are wearing mm-hmm. right now for, you know, just a measly, little tiny $48, you know, not expensive at all. I'm saying this sarcastically. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. And the U.S. shop is available. It's available for $48. When I saw it originally, I was like, no, I'm not going to purchase this. I'm not going to get it. And then when I went to go get my BTS meal today, I saw an employee wearing it in front of my eyes. And I was like, I want the shirt. <laughs> I don't know. So I got to think about it. Yeah. There's also other shirts as well. There's a sweet chili shirt. I can't talk. A sweet chili shirt. Um, It says like fire on the back, I believe. There's um, key rings. There's pouches that are shaped like fries. There's also a robe with a McDonald's fry on it. That goes, you know, for just a small, tiny amount, you know, of $110. You know, very reasonable. I say sarcastically again. <laughs> so, yes. And plenty of other things. There's hoodies, umbrellas, uh, mask and tape, and a whole bunch of other things. It's a smorgasbord of BTXX McDonald's merch. Minus the shipping. <laughs> yeah, I haven't even gotten there. I haven't added anything to my cart, so I can't tell you what that shipping is. It's probably, you know, the usual Weaver standard of $15. So that shirt for $45.48. Slap $15 on top of that. <laughs> Girl, that is the price of a memories DVD set. Almost. <laughs> oh, you know what? It's almost memories time. It's 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 that time of the year where memories is about to start dropping. It always drops in like the mid part mm-hmm. of the year. So look. That's, that wasn't on the docket today, but that just reminded me. So, you know, save your monies for that because it's coming. Right. Moving on for merch. Festa is here. Festivities, June, where June is actually tomorrow. Well, yeah, for some people, it's already tomorrow. But for us, it's tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow when we're recording I'm, this. Yes. I mean, for some people, it's today. <laughs> but for us, it's tomorrow. That's what I meant. <laughs> That's what I meant. 
anyway, Judy's here, and it's time for festivities. So Big Hit dropped the Festa timeline of what to expect during those days leading up to the 13th. So um, they had this little... I'm trying to see what that is. Um, what is that? <laughs> what is that picture? Uh, let me look. Let's see. Uh, it kind of looks to me almost like a board game. Like a puzzle. Like a board game, yeah. I don't know. That's what I'm going to go with. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I don't know what it is. It looks like a mix of a board game and uh, mini golf and uh, the McDonald's Playhouse that the kids play in when they're waiting for their Happy Meals. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know what this is. Anyway, so let's go through what we are going to expect to the days leading up to the 13th. So on June the 2nd, it's going to be the opening ceremony. Uh, I don't, I can't remember how usually they open. I don't know what they do for the opening ceremonies. Can't recall. We'll see. I feel like it's usually like pictures. pictures. Yeah. My memory isn't that good. <clears throat> memory wise, it's not that good. And then on the third, we have the two, 2021 BTS profile. So I'm assuming this is a profile written by other members. Yeah. You, they usually do that yeah. every year. So I'm excited for that one because I really think they're fun. Yeah. Me too. And th- I'm excited to see what J-Hope calls the members this year. Sometimes they're his pets. Other times they're his dolls. By the other members, I mean um, the Machne line. <laughs> Remember that one time he called them his pillows. Like, it was... <laughs> well, I can't wait to see what they are this year. They are really very funny. <clears throat> and then on the 4th, the 4th, we are getting choreography videos. 1, 2, and 3. Now, I don't know what for what song the choreographies are going to be. I don't know. We'll simply have to see. Girl, are we going to see Dionysus from the 57th angle? <laughs> Who knows? Probably. <laughs> Flashbacks, bro. Big Hit really said. <laughs> they just love Dionysus too much. <laughs> I mean, I love it too. (laughs) And then on the fifth day, they have um, BTS mission, BTS four cuts. I don't know what that is or what that ensues. Are we going to be doing missions? I'm not sure. And then we're going to skip the sixth and we're going to go to the seventh, which is titled Bicycle. AKA a day for non June. <laughs> I already know when people saw this, we're like, ah, is this Nam June? <laughs> oh, see, I didn't even know because I'm just looking at it. Because I completely missed this drop and so Viv told me about it. So I'm just looking at it right now and I'm like, okay. oh. <laughs> Bicycle, bicicleta. Okay. Yes, yeah, a day for Nam June. <laughs> Some people were speculating is a song. Some people it's like a vlog. So we don't know. We don't know. And then on the eighth, we have BTS photo collection twentieth slash twenty one. 
oh, like, I guess it's 2020, 2021. Oh. Yeah, I'm assuming that's, that's probably going to, like, drop on Facebook. Oh. Well, they usually would drop stuff like that on Facebook. It'll be just photos from throughout okay. the year. All right. Meaning from, like, the last festival. Okay. So, yeah, 2020 to 20. I'll just have to go back and activate my Facebook. <laughs> Unless they drop them on Weverse this year. Oh, who knows? You know, Weverse has become their thing, so. And then on the 9th, we have the 2021 Army Profile. I can't recall if they had this one last year. I can't either. Oh my god, too too much stuff drops. Oh, way too much. And then on the tenth, it's let me find the translation for this because I know it's in Korean. I just have to find the translation. Yes. So on the oh, you can't read that. Oh. I can read that. I just don't know what it is. <laughs> oh, okay. So on the tenth, it's. 2021 school year FESTA examination. What hmm. could that be? I don't know. Right, that's, that's new. Uh, that kind of, I don't know why, like, just from you saying it right now, it reminded me of the 20, was it 18 FESTA? Remember during, like, the Army prom party, whenever they, like, did, like, a quiz? Mm-hmm. They were, like, all, like, in, basically, like, in school, and they did, like, uh-huh. a little quiz, like, it reminded me of that, maybe. We'll I don't see. know. We will see. And then on the 11th, we have BTS Room Live. What could it be? Are they going to do a V Live? Are they going to do room tours? Who knows? Got it. And then on the 12th is BTS Stage Clip Let Us Shine Once Again. Is this Michael Cosmos? <laughs> I know that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Is this gonna be Michael Cosmos? Okay, but I still don't know. A stage clip. Hmm. Okay. Yes, and then lastly, on the thirteenth, it is Army All You Could. It's Army All You Could Need Store. That's interesting. Okay. What is that? A merch <laughs> drop? Like, what is this? We'll have okay. to see. But yeah, that is that is a timeline for Festa. Expect the unexpected yeah. with Big Hit and BTS. Okay. And then also, Muster. This year's Muster. Dez, explain to us what <laughs> Muster is. <laughs> Oh, oh, I'm explaining it? Okay. <laughs> Muster is a celebration. Basically, this... Is, I can't talk. Muster is a celebration. It's basically an extension of Festa that is, like, just basically essentially a fan meeting, a quote-unquote fan meeting, where BTS <clears throat> just gets to hang out with their fans. They do, like, performances. Sometimes they play mm-hmm. games. It's very, very fun. This, I believe, is the sixth Festa? I mean, six muster. This is the six muster. I think. I don't know. We don't keep count. Anyway. <laughs> Who are we to keep count? <laughs> anyway, muster usually lands on the day of the anniversary. So the 13th. Sometimes it's the 14th, but yeah. 
usually kicks mm-hmm. off the 13th. <clears throat> and yeah, um, I think the muster is usually for club members, isn't it? Even when they do it live. What is it mean? for like... Um, Mm-hmm. How can I? No, was it just no? Oh, you mean like for yeah, membership, membership members? Is it like um? No, because um, I didn't have a membership. What was it? The the one in two thousand nineteen? Yeah, and oh, I watched okay. that one. I purchased to watch it, and then prom party. I watched ah. that one too. Last year they didn't have one. Remember they had one planned. It was like even in the um the concert mm-hmm. schedule. Yeah, I remember. But because everything got canceled because, you know, we're in a Panera. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. So, Muster is going to be taking place <clears throat> on June 13th and June 14th, which is Korean Standard Time. And I know that they said that they were going to see if it was possible that they would be able to perform, like, the Muster with fans. Um there as well that's if you know the current Pythagorean theorem situation allows them to do so if not then you know that won't be happening once again because it's been a couple of times that they've like planned it where hopefully fans would be able to attend Mm -hmm. you know social distanced out but yeah so we shall see hopefully they'll be able to have fans there yeah and I also like the title of this muster uh Sunwuzu which is the Korean name for microcosmos. Sean Dream Smile. Hey. And yes, get your tickets if you want to watch this muster. <clears throat> yeah, that's available mm-hmm. on Weavers. So tickets started going up for sale on the 26th and they end the 13th. So get them before the show begins, I figure. And I. Are you going to buy tickets? I don't know because <laughs> I can't I can't watch I'm not sure I can watch on Monday or Sunday but I'm not oh, sure yeah. I'll be able to I think I'll be able to watch on Sunday but not Monday so okay so moving on from mustard all of its festivities let's talk about the butter remix <laughs> that dropped aka okay, butter hotter mm-hmm. version when this was announced, I can only imagine that Twitter was set ablaze. I was not on Twitter, but I know that I know people lost <laughs> it. Were you on Twitter whenever this no, was I announced? Fifth? I I just feel in my heart of hearts that people were like, "Ooh, it's the hotter version. This is what we have all been expecting." To which I was like, "You will not get me. This is very much giving me bedroom remix vibes." <laughs> I was like. Big kid, you will not get me. Yo, y'all won't get me. This is gonna be something else. This is mm-mm. I will not be God. I will not. I, <laughs> and I was, I was led astray. <laughs> <laughs> I might not have been on Twitter, but I was definitely read as, led astray. <laughs> but I should have known better. I should have known better. You know what? It makes perfect sense because all of the last episode, you were like, oh, I can't wait for the slow jam remix. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait when they drop this remix. Ooh, 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 ooh. Mm. <laughs> you fell for the okie doke. <laughs> oh, yes. 
Oh, look at Big Head. Big Head. Mm-mm. Girl, the hotter version is techno. <laughs> <laughs> what were your thoughts on the remix and um, the video? First of all, it was very comedic. Was. Uh, it was so much going on. People at Jungle doing handstands. Jin sort of like yelling his lyrics. So much going on. Yoongi with his signature dance at the end. The little thing he oh, does that. Dance. <laughs> um, what did I think about the song? Um, I don't know. Not what I was expecting from like a... But then again, I don't know what I was expecting from like a hotter remix. I don't know. And I'm trying to... Because I only listened to it once, so... <laughs> And it was the day it dropped, so let me. <laughs> I'm not you about to pull up this song right now. <laughs> as far as far as I know, I know P Dog touched this song, the remix. He did. That's, yes. Which is why. Which <laughs> is why. Are you yes, for real? He did. Which is why the next day I went on Twitter and people were like, listen, we do not come for P-Dog in this household. I don't either. You know what? So I'm just going to, I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> I'm going to be quiet. You know, you know, I respect P-Dog over here. So I'm going to just, I'm going to shut up. <laughs> <'Cause I'm, laughs> All right. So I, um, my thoughts on the song is then going to be no comment. And uh, my thoughts on the video is that, um, you know, full of chaos. When Jimin fell out of that chair, <laughs> I cackled. <laughs> they were just running all around everywhere. It was, a, it was a good time. Also, when, you know, me fashion, fashion moment. When Taeyong put on Jin's white jacket with his mm-hmm. gold shirt, because he wore a black jacket in the video, that white, that white jacket looked way better with that gold shirt than that black jacket. And I was like, he should have had on white. It was a moment. I felt it. I was like, what a fit. Mm. Also, whenever, like how you were saying, like Jen kind of like, kind of low-key like yelled his lyrics and did them like exaggerated. And then Jimin did the same thing. And then yes. so did Jungkook. And Jungkook was swishing around his head or whatever like that. It reminded me of another thing that I wanted to bring up about the video during the bonus episode. But I did not. Jungkook's hair. That... That weave was blended. I would like to give a special shout out to the stylist, whoever did that. It was blended. <laughs> it looked great. The only time like you could notice that you know that he actually just had like a little bowl cut was whenever he moved like just a little bit too fast. But other than that, it was blended very well. And you know, I was very appreciative. Uh-huh. It looked great. Oh, that song though. Oh Viv. <laughs> maybe wow. maybe this is why I only listened to it once. I just don't know. I listened to it because I watched the video yeah, a couple of times. But, like, man, I, wow. It's, maybe it'll grow on me. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it's going to go right there in that same category. What's that, uh, what's that one Dynamite remix? Uh, uh, e- was it the EDM? It, the EDM yeah. remix? Yeah, I still only listen to 30 seconds of that song to this day. <laughs> so, okay. I can't do it. Dang. 
All right, so we move. Um, let's go ahead and talk about BTS on GMA. Yes. yes. BTS were on Good Morning America on May the 28th, where they did a little short segment slash interview that I watched, but I forgot what they talked about, and then later did two performances, Dynamite and Butter. Dynamite, the tropical yes. version. We win. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> yes, we did. All the tropicals out here, we won. Mm. Because it's a yes. superior. <laughs> I mean, I consider myself to be a tropical, like, you know, person. Because, you know, back then it was like, are you team tropical or are you team poolside? Yeah. When we just had those two remixes and I was definitely team tropical. Although when Slow Jam remix dropped, I did hop, skip, and jump. But tropical still my yeah. second favorite. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get into these performances. So I don't know which one they performed first. So we're going to go ahead with Dynamite because it came, you know, it's a predecessor. So the set for Dynamite was like an oasis, sort of. That was like the set. It was like an oasis kind of thing. They didn't do the choreo. So it was like freestyle. It was very, it was very, how do I call it? Um, well, it's Dynamite. It's a summer song. You know, it's summer right now. So BTS gets you in the vibe. Now, <laughs> it was so funny because they were in suits, but the set is like set in like an oasis. Well, like one part like kind of looked like an oasis. Another part kind of looked like the beach. And I was like, mm. <laughs> not y'all wearing suits in this like 80, 90 degree weather. <laughs> I know obviously it was not, it was not like, you know, the set was fake, but still. Well, yeah, they kind yeah. of, you know, they did their thing, the kind of freestyle. They had so they were having fun on this, like on the stage. Um, at one point, somebody was wearing a um, one of those a life, what you call them? Um, a lifesaver. I can't help oh. you because I haven't <laughs> seen this whole performance. Okay, so I can't help. What you. is that device that when like you're drowning, like they that donut looking thing, a life jacket, that donut looking thing. Oh, um, I was about I was about to say a lifesaver, but that's a candy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so that donut ship thing that people throw over no, no, no. to save your life. <laughs> Tay had it across him, and then at some point, Namjoon had it across himself. It was very, it was very BTS, very. Fun loving. <laughs> what is it called? <laughs> a life saving donut. I'm gonna call that it. A life boy. A life. A life boy. Okay. A boy. A boy. Okay. A life boy. <laughs> that. I googled life saving donut. Life buoy popped up, but I don't know if that's what we call it over here in the U.S. <laughs> it should definitely be called life-saving donut. Because... <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> it, was very, it was very fun. 
And then moving on to butter, the scent was like white. And then there was like a neon sort of like background behind them. Not in the whole background. The whole background wasn't encompassing. I mean, it was a white background, but there was a board, a neon board behind. And all the members were dressed in white. And, you know, the song started. And then Jungkook came in. Buttons, like you said, what are buttons? Jungkook does not know them. Chest, whole chest out. For everybody to see. <laughs> the mics mm-hmm. were on. For both performances, the mics were definitely on. As they should. And then... Mm-hmm. The performance was really grand. Like, you know, it it was very, you know, simplistic. Now, when I was watching the live reactions of fans, because it was so funny, it was the way the video, I guess, was shot. It was them in the studio. And then the camera just panned into, like, Times Square, showing you all around. Yes. <laughs> this one I watched, Viv. I was like, what the F is going on? (laughs) Why are we panning in and out so much? I don't need to see Times Square. I don't need this. I mean, it was cool to know that it was playing on the screens in Uh Times Square. But it was the timing of them doing that that was bothersome. And then people were like, you know what people were like? People were like, oh, I can't believe the camera work is like this. And then... You know, armies who've the 2019 GMA concert series. That one time we were dancing the fire and the cameraman kind of just went berserk over Jin's move. <laughs> I don't know how the camera work and the 2019 GMA. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> but I I wasn't as mad as I was this time. Like, I, okay, not mad, but I was like annoyed. Whenever they panned it out, like to the Times Square, like showing it on the screen. And then the camera was like way far away on this part. It was right when the dance break was kicking off. I was like, GMA throw hands. Like that's square up. Let's go. <laughs> you know, because, uh, they did they did pretty awesome. And you know, people loved it. They did. All right. Moving on from GMA. BTS were on Stephen Colbert. Where they did a performance. And also a little segment that had BTS, um, I guess, doing gestures of some sort. Yeah. So the way that it basically played out and the way that they set up this little skit, because it was Mm -hmm. basically essentially a skit, was that BTS has popularized the finger heart. You know, that they're known for doing as well as many other K-pop stars are known Mm -hmm. for doing. And Stephen Colbert was like, so now they're going to teach you plenty of other quote unquote gestures that are very popular or whatever like that. And so, yes. So then it goes into the skit of BTS showing you all types of quote unquote new and, you know, very popping gestures that were completely and utterly ridiculous and very, very funny. (laughs) And so then, you know, jokes ensued. So the first member was Hobie. And he did a little, um, like, two, I guess he put his two thumbs up and he said, like, those are kidneys. Like, they signify kidneys. Yeah. Because, you know, they were like, oh, this is a Korean heart. And he was like, this is kidneys. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> okay. 
Then he put his two index fingers together and he was like, this is the lung intestine. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> and then V was next. Yeah. So V said, you know, V signifies his name, but it also like signifies, I guess, the peace sign. And then if you put um, one finger over the V, it makes like a triangle, which is like a pizza. Yeah. Uh, a, a pizza pizza. Because it's pizza. <laughs> it was the play on words for me. <laughs> and then he told you not to remember not to eat your fingers or bite into your fingers. <laughs> right. First of all, all decked out in Louis Vuitton. I think the entire, all the members were wearing Louis Vuitton. It was very. Mm-hmm. Or at least most of them. Yeah. Who was next? Taeyong's outfit was very different for Taeyong. I really liked it. I was like, come on. A little sweatsuit. Short situation. Okay. Sandals going on. Mm-hmm. And then who was next? Uh, uh, Jimin? Was it was it Jimin next? <laughs> Yo, this took... <laughs> That's why this is my AKA. This had me crying jim and king of comedy <laughs> jim jim acted this out very well so jimmins was like okay this is a hand gesture for you know this is me like if you want to take a walk like using his fingers as if he wants to you know like if you're walking along you know how mm-hmm. you do your fingers in that way and then he's like he does it faster and he's like and then this is if i'm going out for a run or a jog i think he said I'm going out for a jog he was like, this is like if I decide to stop and jogging and was like, and he gets a pogo stick, something like that. I'm paraphrasing here. And so he takes like his index finger and he just bounces it like if it's a pogo stick. And then he can't <laughs> even get it out of it. And then he's like, he was like, and then this is like, I guess if somebody like stole his pogo stick. And so like he does one index finger, like he's not some pogo stick. And then the other one is like, he's running. So then he goes like, help, that guy stole my pogo stick. But it's still it was so funny. I was dying. I was like, I need that on loop. I need somebody to yes. do that. It's the way his voice. <laughs> that was funny. That took me out. <laughs> me too. And then who was next? Was it Sugar? Maybe. Might have been Jungkook. When Jungkook did the the Star Wars. Star Trek thing, I mean. When he did the Live Long and Prosper. Yeah. So he was like, oh, you know. When you do like the little peace arms with all of your fingers. You know, minus your thumb. Because your thumb isn't technically, technically considered a finger. So <laughs> so when you do the live long and prosper and you spread them out to like a little piece. And he was like, yes, I came up with this. And then Star Trek stole it from me. He was like, how did they steal it from me? Because it takes place in the future. Basically, he was like, I invented it. I invented everything. And you know what? That is something I can completely and utterly get behind. <laughs> yes. I was like, that's right, Jungkook. You did make that up. <laughs> He looked good in that outfit. It was he all did. Louis Vuitton. And then next up, I think we had Sugar. Yes. He looked so cute. He looked like a... He looked like a... Here <laughs> you know me and the need to eat. <laughs> he looked so colorful in that thing. I just wanted to eat him. 
So what was Yoongi's? Um, <clears throat> he did like a baseball hand gesture. Like, like, <laughs> like he was a baseball coach. <laughs> yeah. I saw his like hands were going everywhere. It's... I don't watch baseball, so like, is that a real thing? Like, they know, really... I'm not like that's. I don't know. <laughs> I know that they do like a lot, but that like that thing went on for a hot minute. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So that was funny. Yeah, and then it was Jimin and Jin together. And then... did Jungkook's go before that? Did his second one go before that? The rape, the rock paper scissors one. Did it? So Jungkook did the um, the rock paper scissors thing, but he told you like, did you know there was another one? I guess it was like the shredder. Yeah. <laughs> to which the um, to which I guess the account on Twitter the um, the rock paper scissors account. There's an account on Twitter. They were like, yeah, oh. there is one. Because you know, I don't know if you remember that one time that um, BTS. Like, people used to tag this account a lot because BTS, legitimately, any game they do is, like, rock, paper, scissors for penalty or anything. To decide anything. BTS cannot exist without this game. That's how they decide everything. Everything. I think there's, like, an association, like, a legit association for, like, rock, paper, scissors. So, they they were on Twitter and they were like, you know, guys, just so you know, the shredded thing is not real. (laughs) Is that true? Oh my gosh. It was like a it was like in a very cute way. Oh, I like the way he did it too when he was like <laughs> And then there's the paper shredder. He was like, which works a few times and then it jams up. <laughs> like, and if anybody works in the office, it's our in the office. And so I was like, that is the life of a paper shredder. Like if he also would have had one for a copy machine, that also would have like went along with it because that's something else that also jams up (laughs) and then Jin I mean Jin and Jimin what was theirs um doing the Stephen Colbert thing like when he pops you put him in the side of a TV and then Uh, he appears and then Stephen appeared on the side and then Jimin and then he was like you guys call for me he's like Jimin was like nope and then he was like, damn it, Jimin. You know, it's a six hour, 16 hour flight from like South Korea to I think, where is his studio? LA? New York? I think okay. he's in New, New York. York. That little bit of segment was really funny. I like the way Jim was like, sorry, Steven. Oh, yeah, the way he said it was cute. With his hands. <laughs> it's so adorable. And then Tay, Tay and Jungkook. I almost forgot. The bunny. Yo, <laughs> what was going on? Fear the double bunny. So I guess if yes. you put your two, if you put two fingers behind somebody's, like one, one finger, I mean, two fingers behind and like another two and they make like little bunny ears. Yeah, because everybody growing up, I don't know how it was over there. Did nope. y'all do that gesture? In nope. Kenya? No. Okay. Growing up out here, like in the States, and I know they do it over in Korea too, because I've seen people okay. do it. Um, you put bunny ears behind somebody. It's just like a funny thing, like to make them look right. silly. It's like, ooh, I did ah. a joke. I put bunny ears behind you. So that's like a cultural thing of like, ooh, 
bunny ears. And so we'd always do that. Like as kids, you put your bunny ears behind your friend's head or whatever without them knowing. I have many of pictures with my friends putting bunny ears behind my head, cousins, all kinds. Of, so yeah. <laughs> so that's what that is. And so he was like, we all know the, bu- the bunny ears. It's cute. He was like, but then there's double bunnies. It's more dangerous. It's the way the Young said it. He he acted this out very well as well. Fear the double bunny. Yes. You know, yes. And I know that double bunny trended on Twitter. I saw, I I saw it. Trending I saw out. it too. Mm-hmm. It was like how appropriate for Jungkook because Jungkook is a quote unquote bunny. That was a nice. That was a nice kid. It was funny. It, I saw Jimin's help. That guy stole my pogo stick. It's still stuck in my head. That was the best one. <laughs> I was like not that? expecting. I don't know what I was expecting, but it was definitely not that. This was. This went was just perfect for all of those years of people being like, Jimin's not funny. Like, look at this. <laughs> Prospering. Okay. Jimin is funny. Jimin been funny. BTS. English Kings. BTS Comedy Kings. Yes, man. Like this is what they could have done. They could have done like a little skit like that for SNL TBH. Because they're funny. Yes. So moving on from the little skit situation, let's talk about this performance that they did for Stephen Colbert. How fancy. Oh, yes, very Renaissance like. Yes, definitely giving me um Great Gatsby vibes. <laughs> Even though I've never seen that movie, the only thing I know about Great Gatsby like is that one gift of Leonardo lifting up. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So my knowledge of Great Gatsby is that gift. That's it. I could have missed out on like because uh-huh. they made us they made that part of like reading recommendation. Did somebody knock on your door? I thought so, but I don't think that they were trying to. Because it's because in some high school that's part of like the reading curriculum. That book is part of it. I I just mm-hmm. it skipped out on me. So I'm like you. I that was not a part of my reading. I so I've oh, never read oh. the Great Gatsby. Now that I think about I, it, I I don't know either. I know clips of the movie. That's about it. But anyway, this is not about the. Anyway, <laughs> this is not about Leo. Anyway, the performance was great. It's not. <laughs> it was, and first of all, them in suits, all black, black and white suits. Jin kicking it off, looking regal, AF. I loved it. He looked so good. Yes, and then, like. The, the camera work and all of that, like the way that this performance just came out, like in total, set design, everything. It just came together and was a phenomenal spectacle. The dancers yes. coming out, there were, there were women dancers yes. at the end. Hello, clap, clap. Burr, 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 burr. Really? Yes. One of them, one of them was in like a tan suit and like a tube top, like a white tube top. She was hitting it. Come I, saw her. I saw her in the back there. <laughs> She came in ready. <laughs> okay, let's go. I have to go look for her. <laughs> but it was very grand. It was very regal, like you said. And I think this, mm-hmm. I don't know where this place is. I can't remember the name, but I guess it's like a place where like a lot of weddings happen. Like in, in ah, like a location okay. in South Korea. 
I cannot remember okay. the name, but yeah, I did see that. Wow, people were so quick. Every time BTS performs somewhere, oh my god, I know this place. This is this place, this, and this is what happens here. <laughs> Always. I still to this day do not know how Bangtan style the the person that's behind that Twitter account that always figures out what clothes like BTS is wearing like they always figure out the name brand you know I'd be like how do you do how do you do this like that person really loves fashion but anyway <laughs> back to the performance though special shout out to that person that did the camera work for when Tay turned around for that smooth like butter pull you in like no other part that was a moment also he looked handsome times 1000 right there like oh my gosh boy looked good with a t at the end (laughs) and yeah i guess yeah and the choreography i believe for sugar's part um and the song was a little bit different from the dance practice, which I like. Is it? I think so. Because I know this one, obviously, like, you know, it was kind of like panning. First of all, there was a little cute moment when they ended that dance break and it was time for um Sugar to start his verse. Namjoon was about to go in the opposite. He was about to go in the wrong direction. Yes. Was he? <laughs> yes, I saw. Instead of like, um, because the members sort of like, other than Sugar, the members kind of go different ways. So kind of looked mm-hmm. one way like he was going and then he remembered, oops, I'm supposed to be going this other way. It was cute. It wasn't like, it's not something that was like noticeable on the performance if you're mm-hmm. not like legit looking. But I was legit looking in the back there. So mm-hmm. I saw. I got it you. was cute. I also liked his outfit. That three piece on him, it looked <sighs> great. And you know, he had his hand on his hip. You know, Namjoon is all about that business. <laughs> like he, I can't. He just looked good, period. Like his hair was styled. It was perfectly coiffed. Like it was a look. Also, speaking of, you know what? This episode is going to be a lot about weed because I'm still, <laughs> I'm just, look, that ponytail really, it just, it, listen. So, bringing it to another great weave moment. Sugar's little gray streaks. I'm just going to make all of y'all notice when BTS, like, has, like, you know, a couple extensions or a couple of tracks in, whatever, because I always notice. So, and I'll be like, mm, that's a good look. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. So, I'm going to make it known to you today. So, the little gray streaks that Sugar had in his hair during this performance, those were some tracks. And guess what? They were blended and they looked great. See, so it can be done. <laughs> and I think this is the like the first performance other than this was the first performance other than the Billboard one that we got to see. So I guess this was the second, the very second butter performance that we got to see. Yeah. All the they did fantastic. And yeah, because you can tell they filmed this one a little bit earlier because Jimin still had his streaks in his hair from the video. And Stephen Colbert was a great host. You know, like the, his introduction, he made sure he was getting all these points. Yes, I just love... I'm going to watch this again whenever <laughs> we get 
done recording because it was it was so good. Chandeliers everywhere, regalness, richness. Like I, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, it's expansive. It was, <laughs> and I think that brings us to a close on our first segment. Quick topics yes. that are never quick. But to be honest, though, we're kind of quick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we got yeah. through a lot. But yeah, let's go ahead and take a break, and then we'll hop back into the show and get into these Rolling Stone mm-hmm. interviews. Hey, wow. It feels super weird recording this break because it's been so long since we've recorded. But this episode was something that we were super duper proud of, especially this latter part that we're about to jump into, which is the Rolling Stone interviews. We were super, super proud and we thoroughly enjoyed the conversations that we had because the articles definitely proved to be thought provoking for the both of us, especially when we delve into Nam Jim's interview. Everybody's interviews were fantastic, but I feel like the conversations that came from that interview in particular were something super special. So we hope that you enjoy it and let's jump into these interviews, shall we? And we're back for the last portion of this episode. As we all know, BTS were on the cover of Rolling Stone and with it came a group interview. We thought the read was fantastic, and we kind of went over it during our last episode, not the butter one, our regular episode. But, um, you know, Rolling Stone kind of revealed that they were doing also solo member interviews, where we get to go a little bit more in-depth. We will not be following in order of how the articles came out, but in reverse fanchan order. So from Jungkook down all the way to RM. So up first is going to be our golden maknae, Jong Jong Gook. Yes. So the title of Jungkook's article was BTS Jungkook on Dynamite, Loving Army, and Learning from Ariana Grande. His main quote from the article was, During the training years, I'd wait until the other guys had fallen asleep so I could wash up myself in the middle of the night. Because remember, he was yeah, very introverted. Very So yeah, so what were some standout things from his article that you like? Um I like that he mentioned um sort of not like his lost childhood, but the interviewer was like, you know, like because he grew up in BTS at such a young age, like, you know, obviously he was I think he was thirteen, he might have been younger. So like the period of time where all his friends were like, I guess, in school, they were making friends and doing like all these memories. Um, he said that he's gained more than he's lost and mm. obviously everything everything we do in life comes at a cost or like we have to kind of sacrifice one thing to get another like nothing in this world is free but I thought that was like something mm. that's very that kind of stood out to me like you know because obviously yeah you know his childhood was spent in training dancing vocal lessons you know some people can see it as like kind of like him losing his childhood in a way but you know over the years he's gained a lot from members to i guess all this now that he has all the success so yeah right yeah 
I also like the question that they posed to him about him being called the quote unquote golden member, mm-hmm. golden mock name, as we call him, but they just split like, oh, they call you quote unquote golden. And they were like, does that title come with a lot of pressure? And he was like, yeah, because, you know, people always talk about him excelling and him being like an all arounder, mm-hmm. quote unquote. And, you know, he was like, it doesn't really help him to bask in all of those like talents to be like, oh, yeah, I'm so amazing. And, oh, yeah, I'm so great or whatever like that. He was like, he feels like you don't really grow yes. if you're like that. And so he doesn't think of himself in that way. He was like, yeah, you know, I still try to, you know, practice and improve in certain areas. He was like, so I don't really see myself as being um, a all-arounder. He was like, I could try to continue to just work hard or whatever like that. And he was like, but also those pressures also drag him to work hard and do the best that he can do. He was like, so, you know, that title does come with a bit of pressure to it. That was very... I like that was that. very Jungkook-esque <laughs> of him. Yeah, I thought that was like very open and honest because I'm like, yeah, I could, mm-hmm. I could imagine. Even, even whenever we, when I introduced them, I was like, yeah, Girl, the I was the golden <laughs> nominee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay. oh, oh, shout Ooh. out to that dog and your neighbors who just, <laughs> mm-hmm. who do just will not leave me alone today. So he also talked about euphoria, and he said, oh, "Like yes. I guess that." Uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Like I guess his voice recording in that particular song was like between a young boy and a young man, and he kind of wanted that, those sentiments to permeate to the song or through the song. And mm-hmm. Euphoria is like one of my favorite songs. It's just, it's just, it's just a great song. So that was like a win for me. <laughs> I like how he also said that after listening to the whole thing, like the finished product, I guess, um, that he felt like, wow, I really yeah. did a good job. I liked that. Because I remember whenever Euphoria first came out for the highlight reels, whenever it first dropped, he felt like he hadn't done enough. I remember mm-hmm. him saying that and he wished that like he had perfected it more. So I'm glad that now he can look at it and be like, yo, that was good. Yeah. He did. Because he did a great job. Yeah. And I guess it's also like, I guess a new challenge each song they come up with. You don't obviously follow the same. Every new song they do is a challenge. So pretty much, you know. Well, yeah, I feel like Euphoria vocally and to get those emotions across and stuff like that, like what he did on Euphoria was um, new, mm-hmm. fresh for him, different for him. Yeah. I mean, I guess like every song could be a quote unquote challenge, like you said, but then like not technically, like if it's something that's like in your wheelhouse, I felt like Euphoria had him step out of his boundary a little bit vocally. Yeah, he did a great job. He also talked a little bit about fans, like I guess wanting to see fans again, and Jungkook saying like his best moment is not like them winning the grant. I mean, like it's one of his best moments is not like them being you know top of the charts. I mean, all that is nice and well, but it kind of all boils down to the fans, armies. So he's like, till death, I'm gonna be on that stage. And mm-hmm. 
like like I said, that's very Jungkook-esque. It just shows like yeah. his um, where his mind is at. Like Jungkook is just somebody who loves music and being on stage. So you can yeah, that kind of shines too. Mm-hmm. And I also like that you know he also brought up how the other members are you know a great influence mm-hmm. on him because since. You know, he started training at such a young age. You know, they helped him grow up. You know, he learned a lot from them. In another interview, I can't remember which particular member it was. They were saying that, um, I think it might have been Jens, who we'll get to later. But the interviewer had mentioned that whenever it comes to fame, that people usually tend to, quote unquote, stop aging at the, you know, whenever they become famous technically and it was like because their real life experiences well I mean it's still real life but their ordinary experiences that people that normal people their day-to-day is it stops and then they live like in this quote-unquote famous mm-hmm. land of like you know this where people are always paying attention to what you're doing people are always you know, if you post a picture, people, all eyes are on you and you can't do the normal things that everybody else can do. So it's like you stop aging at that point. And then Jungkook, you know, when they debuted, he was 15. So it's like, you know, his his life kind of like hit like a, like a stop. Even though he says like, you know, he gained more than what he lost. But, you know, yeah, like he was 15 years old. Like that's a ninth grader. <laughs> Like in the US, <laughs> like, you know? So, yeah, so I like that he was like, yeah, you know, the members have had like an influence on me, and you know, because they're such good people, they encouraged me to know, you know, open up and they helped him mature into the person that he is today, which I mean, I know his parents played a part in that as well, but the members did too. And I mean, we know that, but it's like always That's nice right. to hear. And I guess that marks it okay. for Jungle. Yeah, so let's go ahead and move on to V. All right, so V, his title was BTS's V on his upcoming mixtape, his love of the Godfather and being a secret member. The quote that's at the top is, when they said I was a hidden member, I actually thought I'd been cut from the team. (laughs) And to that he says, later part in the interview, he says that, he can laugh now, but back then, <laughs> it was not a laughing matter. <laughs> right. And he says, like, he wants to, like, shake Bunk PD by the shoulders. Like, what was going on? What were you doing? <laughs> yeah. I remember they that part actually, like, made it into the group yeah, article, too. Because I remember that. Um, I liked when they asked him about uh, his mixtape. They were like, you know, it definitely mm-hmm. got pushed back and things like that. And more so, I liked him opening up and talking about you know the differences that he feels within making this mixtape as opposed to making music within the group he was like because everything falls completely on him now you know lyric making mm-hmm. producing like he's not off on everything whereas you know normally they would be splitting those duties amongst the group so he's like everything falls on him now for sure and he was like so it's definitely different and it's a bit unique i know also outside of this interview like tate's mentioned like when something's not coming to him or whatever like that, he just doesn't do it. Like, 
when it's not working, he just won't. He's not going to push himself to do it. He's like, if it's not something he has to do right now, he's going to do it on his time. So he's like, no. So when it comes to this mixtape, he's like, yeah, I originally thought that it was going to come out Mm -hmm. late last year. And then I thought that it was going to come out earlier this year. But now we're looking at the end of this year. So that's where it's at right now. And it could possibly change. So, yeah, because it looks like he's taking his time. And, you know, yeah, perfecting it because, you know, that's his mixtape. It's going to be like his baby. This is his first, you know, full project. Just him. And I think he also said that Sweet Night was originally going to be part of his mixtape. Yeah, he did. And that he wrote the song because he just wanted a good good night's sleep. Which Sweet Night is very personal and it's also a great song for Immaculate. Mm -hmm. And then the... I love Sweet Night. night. (laughs) And then the little bit of it where they talked about like blue and gray. And then where the interviewer said, like, you know, you kind of wrote it at a time when, like, you know, work was really hard. And, you know, like, the interviewer continued to ask, like, oh, what was hard about the work? And V goes on to say, like, they had prepared immensely. Like, they prepared an immense amount of content for fans from last year. And they kept hyping up the fans. But then the pandemic happened and everything came to Mm -hmm. a standstill. No concerts, nothing like that. So that kind of fell off to the wayside. And I think all the members touched touched on this in their interview about like, you know, how how they were having like a hard time basically adjusting to the situation of not seeing fans, mm-hmm. of like obviously there might be lesser work. But then mm-hmm. then what do you do? So for them it kind of then made them look inwards into themselves. But I thought this part yeah. of Blue and Gray was like really interesting because the other interviews they had, the ones where the BE interview, they were interviewing, the members were interviewing themselves. I remember, I think Sugar brought this mm-hmm. up as well. And V said that he didn't write the song for, it wasn't meant to like people to be sad is like almost like a comfort song. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because I feel like it really... I remember during this time, and I'm not going to be over here trying to psychoanalyze mm-hmm. Young. Absolutely not. That's not what we do over here. <laughs> That's why we can't, like, ever, I don't feel like we would ever be able to, to like, truly give y'all an episode, like, dedicated to a member. Because that would require, like, a lot of psychoanalyzing to be like, oh, I feel like they think like this. Unless it was just, like, a pure, purely fact-based mm-hmm. interview. I mean, or thing like we're just reading off facts about a member. Like, I don't feel like we could do that. Um, me personally. But yeah. So when it comes to this, when it comes to blue and gray, I remember like last year during Festa time, um, also like in the soup, all of that, you know, and during like even like with Weverse, like during like the interviews and stuff like that around that time. So it would have been like around the time when this song was in the making. And things like that. When Taeyeon was like, yeah, he was having like a really hard time. He was like not feeling um, like the immense like love that they normally would get from tour. So I know like, you know, depending on how you work as a person, like your career for a good amount of people, if you love what you do, you a lot of your self-worth comes from that. 
So for them not being able to perform, I would imagine that they're missing some of that and not being able to have those interactions. Because remember back then, Young used to always be on Reverse mm-hmm. at that time and yes. interacting with armies constantly because he said that he needed that. He needed to feel that love. And I remember Jungkook telling him, like, yeah, go on there and get that love, you know, from the fans. Absolutely. So that's one thing. And also we know, you know, that he was having a harder time during the last festa, like during that time or whatever even from um, all the members whenever they wrote uh, like little messages from each of their profiles. Remember all the members were giving him like encouraging words and they were like, you know, you can always talk to me if you want to, you know, da, 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 da. It was, it was during this time. So yeah, I like that he was open and stuff like that. And yes, and blue and gray to me is definitely a comfort song because, you know, a good amount of people, you know, we feel like that sometimes. And I guess during this time also, he did say it allowed him time to focus on his music and to kind of delve deep because when they're on their concerts, obviously they have to put certain things on hold. So with this pandemic, he has more time to work on his music, on his melodies, to make them like intricate. So I'm really excited to see what the outcome of this will be. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So from Young, we're going to move on to Jimin. Jimin, Jimin. So Jimin's title was Jimin on Perfectionism, Missing Army, His Love of Dancing, and BTS's Future. And then the main quote is, we've been telling people to really love themselves. This year, I begin to tell myself these things. So yeah, I feel like that's a sentiment that Jimin always, like, says he'd be like this is the year when i started loving myself no this is the year that i started loving myself actually you know what this year this was the year i love myself which in my mind i'm taking that as like you know what he started loving himself a bit more and more every year which is something i feel like we can all aspire to loving yourself is a journey it's not a destination you just don't arrive <laughs> it takes work mm-hmm. that's right I liked how, like, when the article kicked off, it was like Jimin describes himself as introverted. And I was like, <laughs> Jimin? Like, that took me off, like, guard. I was like, what, Jimin? But then he got further into it and it actually came from whenever he was breaking down the nuances of, like, how the BTS members mm, were different okay. back in the day. The the writer, he had actually asked the couple of members, like, how is it that, you know, you guys were different? He was like, because, you know, y'all said that y'all clashed and the different personalities and different cultures. And BTS really, normally, they don't really answer this question. They'll just be like, oh, we were, like, you know, different. We all had different personalities. We used to mm-hmm. argue, but now we don't anymore, da 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 but they never really tend to break down what it is that was like made them different. And so Jimin actually gave more of an explanation here. He was like, oh, well, back then, you know, he was like, some of us are more introverted than others. And some of us are more extroverted. And in regards to like music and things like that, he was like, some of us are more like, you know, careful and slow moving. And, you know, they tend to think more about like, you know, what it is that they're doing. While others want to move faster and just get things out of it like that. And not to say any or either one of those mm-hmm. things are right or wrong. But, you know, people are different. And so in that way, he was like, 
I'm more introverted than some other members. He was like, where some members are even more introverted than me. He was like, and I'm more slow moving, whereas other members are, you know, more fast moving. And I would imagine that, you know, that that would create a clash because when you're trying to create something, if y'all not all on the same page in that way, and you know, in that way, when it comes to creation, because like making an album, especially like when it's your first like couple of albums, like artists often say like making an album and releasing it feels like giving birth to like as your baby. So, um, like in the words of Erica Badu, she'd be like, "I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my ish." Like you know, that's her art, that's her baby. So it's like I can imagine if y'all all are not on the same wavelength, that like, yeah, uh-huh. y'all are not gonna clash. You know, because you all care about the art that you're making. Yep. So I thought that was like an interesting like, takeaway. And I was like, yeah, now I get it. I like now that I part because then I could see, I legitimately just saw BTS. He was describing BTS. Mm-hmm. And I also like the part where they were talking about his dancing. And the interviewer was like, oh, yeah. oh when did you realize you had a gift for it? And Jimin, he's like, Jimin is like, first of all, I never, like, I never thought like I'm good at dancing. But he began like dancing after his friends suggested they take it up as a, like an after school activity. And the more he kept doing it, the more he found it very freeing. It says like it mm-hmm. kind of helped him. Um, I want to say like escape reality, but to go into like a different kind of world because, you know, you're in the zone when you, you know, he, right. he's he, he's got it into his zone. So I like that like aspect of him like providing that background of his like dance and like you know because dance is a pretty big thing to Jimin because in the later part of the interview where they talked about you know perfection perfectionism like that's Mm -hmm. like that's one of like Jimin's like biggest strengths so he always wants to put out the best for fans yeah yeah, I feel like he's worked on like the way that he is, the way he handles that mm-hmm. perfectionism, the way it used to be. He used to take it out like so to heart. Like I remember in the first uh, documentary series was Burn the Stage, like when he made a mistake and he was crying backstage, like you know, and he was like, yeah, he used to just. Anytime he made a mistake, he would just be upset and angry and feel like, you know, awful yeah. towards himself, you know? I would imagine that he might have even, like, been, like, beating himself up and, you know, maybe talking to himself in not such a positive way whenever he made a mistake because he feels like um, when it comes to, like, the fans that he owes us the best version of, mm-hmm. you know, like, a performance and things like that. And he was like, whereas now, you know, if somebody offers him like advice or something like that, it doesn't like make him like immediately angry or make him feel like, oh my gosh, I'm such mm-hmm. a terrible person. You know, now mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I can take that and just take like the criticism and be like, thank you. Thank you for letting me know, you know, and just move on from it. So I'm like, that's good. He's grown, you know, in that way. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. that's nice. I'm like, good for you. Because he did also bring up like with a perfectionist. Thing. he brought up like how he had like a shorter training period and thus he felt like he wasn't fully ready when they debuted and as confident right so maybe that's what played mm-hmm. into like him being like extremely strict on himself i would say yeah so right 
yeah absolutely and yeah and i liked too whenever they were talking about serendipity that's my jam (laughs) yes or whatever like that and the um the writer Mm-hmm. The person that was interviewing them, he was like, yeah, you really pushed yourself as a singer on that one. He was like, can you share your mem- memories of recording that, you know, that song? And yeah, when that song came out, the vocal for that song, like, Jimin really did push himself. Like, that was a leap, skip, and a jump from what <laughs> from what he had done, like, previously. It was like, whoa, you can see the growth. You can hear the growth uh-huh. on that solo track. You from compared to what was released so far because that was 2017 and he was like yeah he was like i think that that was the first time i really tried to highlight all the nuances of my voice which definitely because i feel like that song really catered to his vocal range and he was like yeah and he was focusing on every detail of his vocal expression and he was like it was very difficult um but he just wanted to make sure that all of that translated into the recording yeah, and he was like, the recording process was difficult because of how hard, you know, he wanted to make sure that he focused in on all of those details. And I remember even from that V-Live, like, back in the day when Namjoon was doing, like, uh, his little album review things and Jimin came inside and he was like, because Namjoon had did the uh, guide okay. track for it. And he was like, yeah, I was trying to make sure that I got everything, like, how you were doing it, like, trying to express what you're, like, he was like, seriously, <laughs> like, Jimin took like this and he was like, yo, this is going to be it. Because also this was his um his first intro. Like yes. he had the intro to the album that time. So yeah, I feel like, oh, maybe it was like a little bit of pressure, but he did a great job and it really did showcase his vocals and Jimin's only gone up from there. And that last bit at the end where he talked about like how in the future he doesn't see... <laughs> I, this also made it to like the group interview where he talked about like he can't see himself outside of BTS. And talking about like you know right. like he wants to go as much as possible to be on stage with the rest of the members and to see mm-hmm. the fans. It doesn't matter if they stop dancing; they can just sit around and just sing. I'm all for that. And Jim's like, we can be old and brittle. We're gonna sit in them chairs and give you all these songs. Okay, we together to the end. <laughs> Yeah. And so, yes, so that concludes our Mockney 9. Mockney 9? No. That concludes our Mockley. That concludes the Mockney lines, um, Rolling Stone individual interviews. We're going to go ahead and take a break here and then we're going to come back and jump into the hung line. All right. Welcome back to the episode. Let's go ahead and jump into these hung line interviews. So, first, we're going to kick things off with J Hope. Yes, J-Hope's article was titled J-Hope on Growing in BTS, His New Mixtape, and more. The main quote was, we wanted to make music that can give people more strength. And yeah, I thought it had more, but that was it. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Um, one thing I want to kick this off with is that I loved that they listed J-Hope, like at the start of this interview, it's like J-Hope was listed as a rapper, dancer, songwriter, and producer. Okay, yes, run him all of his titles, all of his accolades. We love to see it. And I was like, yes, that's right. And then um, 
it takes off with him like oh did you come here straight the interviewer was like did you come here straight and he's like no i went to the bathroom <laughs> so that's where the interview kicked off and then the interviewer went the interviewer brian his name is brian i'm the one who keeps saying the interviewer brian went in a little bit like what did you learn about yourself during the pandemic and you know hobie said that this is time that was time for him to reflect inwards and then to see to see kind of where like direction of his music as well as his life is going because that's obviously self-reflection and he said that like his takeaway from all that was that like he can just do what he can do at that moment like mm-hmm. I guess negating, not negating, like being in the situation that they were in, like Namjoon said like a couple episodes back, like there's nothing they can do other than what they've been doing so far and that's making music. So J-Hope said that he wants to make music that consoles people because they are human beings as well. You know, like they go through the same roller coaster of emotions as we do just because they're celebrities doesn't mean they don't experience, they they went through the same things, you know, we went through during the pandemic. Loneliness, you know, a sense of, like, loss. They also went through that. So he wants his music, he wants his music to be able to console and resonate with people. Mm-hmm. And they, he also talked about a little bit of life goes on. And, like, that song came from them thinking that way. Like, what can they do at this time? Mm-hmm. Other than, like, you know, tell stories. Right. Also, um, one thing that really stuck out to me, the question as well as the answer that J-Hope gave, and I feel like this was one of the longest answers that he gave. Like, this mm-hmm. answer was, like, two paragraphs long. So, um, the question was, like, in some of your lyrics, you've revealed that there is sometimes a sadness behind that smile that everyone loves. Like, how do you balance that positivity that you present to the world with the more complex emotions that you may experience in real life? Mm-hmm. He's like, I do have that burden, you know, and that pressure as an artist, you know, because like to put your best face forward, you know, you're like, yes, yes I, I'm happy today. I am. Mm, yeah. It always reminds me like something like that reminds me of like what I hear a lot of celebrities say, which is, you know, whenever you're interacting with your fans and when your fans see you, things like that. Like, you could be having a bad day, yeah, but that's their first encounter with you. And so that's their impression of you. So say, like, if you run into, like, I don't know, your favorite celebrity, I'm just going to use the example, whatever. You run into, like, a celebrity, and you're like, hey, can I have, you know, your autograph? And they tell you no. Now, they could be having, like, a really bad day. You don't know what else happened to them. But a lot of times people take away from that is going to be like, they told me no, and they were so rude. <laughs> Something like that, you know? So... It made me kind of think of that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, because they hope he's always the smiley one. And I know, like, even in that run episode with PD Nile, and they were talking about that. And he was talking about how, like, when he's at home, you know, it, it kind of, like, goes down. <laughs> like, you know, even, like, at the start of this interview, the interview was, like, his personality that you normally see on TV, all of that wasn't really expressed here. He was mm-hmm. like, his smile was still there. Like, you know, he's still like smiling. He's like, but he wasn't like the way that he is, you know, where you see it. And I'm not saying that that's fake, but you know, yeah. 
Anywho, so um, he was like, yeah, he tries to like now he feels a bit more comfortable, you know, not only showing that bright side, but showing the other sides of himself as well. He was like, you know, he had always only tried to show that bright side. And I know Jen's mentioned something like that, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, we've only tried to show that bright side. But he was like, but, you know, as more time passes by, he was like, you know, I feel like it's more important to show people other emotions. And like you said, yeah, to show people that, you know, they're, you know, they're regular people, too. And he was like, whether that be through music or dialogue. So that's like even in an interview as well, you know, and express some you like in a beautiful way. Because all emotions, you know, everyday life, you know, whatever like that can be beautiful as well. I really liked that sentiment. I'm like, yeah. And then you don't have to have that pressure of always being perfect. Or perfectly happy. True. And adding on to that, like, um, the outro eagle. Mm -hmm. They talked a little bit about his song and, like, what the song meant to Hobie. And it's kind of like the song is about him, stage J-Hope, and, like, the other him, Jong Ho-Sok. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, he said like it was like an inner reflection of who he was and that like those are both like of his identities. I don't think you can ever get rid of one because they're just you. Mm-hmm. Where they're you and you are them. Mm-hmm. So I found that pretty like, you know, that was also like a really interesting thing about Outro Eagle. Like they talked about his song and like what he thought as he was writing that. Yes. And um, another thing that stood out to me was mixtape talk. They talked about his mixtape. And he was saying how, you know, he felt that Hope World um, helped really shape the direction that he wants to go as an artist. Yes. You know, in which I can totally kind of see. I feel like he really found his style within that mixtape. In regards to a second mixtape, he said he hadn't decided on anything. But, you know, he's just continuing to work on his music. And he doesn't feel like his style will greatly change, mm-hmm. but that his music would just mature, which I felt like, yeah, that tied exactly into what he was saying about how Hope World really, you know, helped him find that niche, that J-Hope niche, you know, that house music, you know, a retro kind of style. Like that is totally J-Hope, like even ego lends to that. So, yeah. yeah. It and did- then... Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, because then the interview did ask, like, you know, like, what are good memories? Or, like, what are some memories you think about? And, you know, I guess he's, like, when I reflect on, like, those times when I did, you know, like, the mixtape. You know, like, when you're creating a project, both the pain and the joy, it all just, it's memories for you. Mm -hmm. So, like, when you kind of look back at it, it's like, dang, I did that. Right. Like I persevered, you know, there were obviously you're going to have good times and you're going to have bad times. But at the end of the day, this is what this is what it, he finally, like you said, he finally delivered his baby. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Which was the Hicks date. Right. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on from J Hope and let's go ahead and jump into Sugar. Sugar, sugar, sugar. Let me find sugars. Yes, sugar. 
Sugar on how BTS stay hungry after conquering the world. Ooh, what a title. And then the quote, Mm -hmm. I do sometimes think, why did I have to spend so much time in the studio? Says Yoongi. I love like how that little bit of info before we got into the interview, Mm -hmm. like about his like production, songwriting, and all his collabs. Because this is just Sugar, Sugar who lives in the studio, all this hard work paying off. Mm -hmm. Because that part, that the quote was in a little bit of a part of the interview where the the um where the interviewer was asking like do you regret spending all your time in the studio and Jungi was like no I don't mm. because it's kind of like helped me it's kind of like shaped me into the person that I am and also because mm-hmm. I have accomplished so much because yeah. he I like the thing about like this interviewer he was alluding to like he was referencing songs because this one he referenced dope. Because there's a line, there's a lyric in Dope that goes like, rotting in my studio all day. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's the way he brought up this particular question to Yungi. Like, are you regretting? Like, or do you regret spending all that time in the studio? Mm. Yeah, like this person that did this interview, it was well researched. Yes. Um, And also to that, I remember he also said like, he doesn't regret being in that studio. He was like, but he does like sometimes think like, oh man, like man, maybe I should have you know like took a little break or I should have like refreshed myself. Not like he shouldn't have worked hard and been in the studio. He was like, mm-hmm. but maybe you know, like, hey man, maybe I should like you know went home later on my bed, took a shower, you know, <laughs> you know, so had like a little bit of a break. But yeah, but his hard work, you know, it definitely revealed he did what he needed to do. Yes. Sugar is very a very hardworking man. Yes, he is. Um, I liked whenever they went ahead and they talked about you know him uh, doing choreography with his shoulder injury mm-hmm. that he had that he received surgery on, and the interviewer was like, "How did you manage that? Like, how do you how did you manage to do like such intense choreography throughout all these years? You know, and like Yoongi to that he said. Um, like, like the year before he got the surgery, he was receiving like, you know, injections and treatments and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's when it really started to bother him. Um, which was, um, I don't know, like kind of like new information for me because from based off of what like we had been told before, my understanding of it was like, oh, his shoulder had been bothering him since trainee days. But the way he's saying it here is like, it might have been bothering him then, but it really started to bother him like just that past year. Mm-hmm. So that was like a takeaway for me when I was like, ah, okay. And then he started receiving, you know, the injections and things like that uh, a year out. Yeah. He was like basically like, you know, his shoulder was just deteriorating like from that inner inju- injury. There we go. <laughs> Words. <laughs> English. It's late. I'm tired. We don't know that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I also like that aspect of the interviewer bringing in his like first first love. I knew you were gonna talk about that because first <laughs> love, because you know that is my jam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, like the 
the interviewer was like, you know, the lyrics suggest like your love for music, but it also kind of like suggests there's also like a pain to it. Mm-hmm. To which Yungi said, like, you know, like first loves, they're not always joyous they can also be painful whether that is your first love as in oh like a crush on somebody or first love something that you just fell madly in love with mm-hmm. it could be a person it could be anything so like he wanted those emotions to kind of flow through yeah yeah he used this because first love as you know about his love of piano he, he was like yeah he used that as a metaphor you know but it could really be anything. He was like, you know, it could be a friend, you know, relationship. It could be whatever, however, which goes and lends to something that we always talk about here, which is that, you know, music can mean something different to you as it is to me, mm-hmm. as it is to someone else. You know, music is like how you interpret it. You know, it could be different. So I I like that. Yeah, I like that aspect because I feel like it lended to that which to me that's one thing that i really love about music yes yes i really enjoyed his interview and they also talked about like his songwriting process and like what goes on behind the scenes like hey what do you do like when you're collaborating with somebody and he says sometimes like you know sometimes it might start off with a keyword sometimes if the artists maybe there's a theme that they want in particular it usually depends. But generally, for him speaking, it's usually the beat and then the melody and then the rap and then the lyrics. In regards to him, like saying, like, oh, yeah, the beat comes first, we've heard Yungi say that mm-hmm. like quite often and things like that. But yeah, um, the thing that stuck out for me was whenever he was like, oh, man. <laughs> I liked, like, when he was like, oh, like, sometimes it just comes, like, off an overarching theme and, you know, that he just works on the song generally. Like, I'd already know that, like, you know, the beat comes first when it comes to to Yungi. He said Mm -hmm. that often. But, like, actually getting, like, the play-by-play of, like, oh, man, we start from a theme. And, like you said, like, when it's a collab, you know, sometimes they give him, like, a general idea of what, you know, they want and things like that. So I liked that aspect of the answer to that question because we've heard oh yeah i'm a beat before the lyrics type of person da, 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 da. but like how do you create like what is like how do you get the juices flowing so i like that if the answer was a bit more in depth in that way so because i when i got to that point i was like oh yes different mm. <laughs> no felt like that fed my spirit a little bit and then they also talked about um, this interviewer, like you said, very knowledgeable. Talked about like the rap lines, like double and triple entendres, and mm-hmm. how like he thought, like you know, like some of the wordplay can be lost on um, people who don't speak Korean, and like whether it can be frustrating for like you know foreign fans to miss certain things. And this just brought about like how whenever a song drops, and I see the excitement from like Korean fans like oh my god this line is so good like you know I wish you guys could understand Korean because the meaning is not carrying Mm -hmm. is not carrying on to English to which he said like you know when he was growing up he listened to a lot of like hip-hop and like rap song and 
he he did say like his English was not very good, so the lyrics some of them kind of got lost on him because he did mm-hmm. not understand the li- did not understand the English lyrics, and to which he said like language is like language barriers sometimes are just unavoidable. Right, like you can you can't always like no matter how much you want to convey something you can't always like translate it properly. Which is why also, like, even the people who translate the Korean lyrics, they be different. Like, one person who's translating this, the lyrics could be way, not, like, way completely different, but it could mean something else to a different translator. Yeah, because, I mean, it's not going to be word for word. You know, you're trying to translate the meaning. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's song lyrics. You're trying to, like, convey (laughs) that meaning. Yeah. Yeah, things are going to be different. Um... I liked that uh, part as well, and because it reminded me, you know, of also whenever people of other countries they get the translations sometimes twice over. So sometimes like things will be translated from Korean to English, and then somebody that say let's speak Spanish, they'll take that English translation and then translate that. So then things can be even more lost, you know, Mm -hmm. as it's flying through. So I think of that as well because he brought up just the the difference between English and Korean, and I'm like, there's way more languages out there. You know, it could only, you know. But yeah, like you said, like when people be like, "Oh man, I wish I could understand this," but I also think the same way. Like when it comes to English and you know, American rappers, because people be like, "Oh my gosh." nobody was rapping until bts rapped and nobody was deep at all until bts was rapping and i'm like man like american rappers really be out here like what do you think this inspiration comes from like yeah you know they're korean rappers as well but like rap started out here you know (laughs) so that's where it comes from so it's like what do you think like this is and like i see like in bts i see who their influences are in the way that they rap and their style or whatever like that mm-hmm. you see it i know like in the article like um they mentioned that like the way sugar spits it definitely gives um like a bust of rhymes like types uh effect which i kind of kind of see he more so reminds me a bit more of like bone thugs and harmony i also see a lot of nas in yungi's rapping but yeah so there's that aspect as well because i'm like yes while things may be lost on us in when it comes and it's translated from Korean, but like even like with the release of Dynamite and Butter, although on Dynamite they didn't write on it, but like I remember um that line that Namjoon had when it was like, I got the medicine so you can keep your eyes you should keep your eyes on the ball, that line. And how like, you know, for me, like that stick out to me because I'm like, oh, that's a popular euphemism and how like in other languages they had to get translated completely different it was like you know you focus on your life and you know I got you it was like that like in the translations and I remember like people being like oh my gosh English is so like gross or whatever like that and it might be people who where English isn't their first language you know they might not be you know they might be bilingual or whatever like that but meanwhile me I'm like yo that line was impactful like I feel like that was a BTS line like right. that is a like the way that that was written I'm like for me who English is my first language, I'm like, oh, yes. That felt like how whenever I'm reading like a translation to like, I don't know, a DNA or something like that, like that's the style 
that like I get. Whereas like for some people, they're like, I got the medicine. Keep your eyes on the ball. That don't make no sense. <laughs> you know? You know what I mean? So I'm like, yeah, sometimes things are lost on people. And I was like, yeah, things get lost in translation. They do. But you know what? We're appreciative of our translators and they do a great job. I'm very appreciative Amen. of them. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and I love whenever they break down the lyrics. Yes. Like even further to help us catch those nuances. Very appreciative. Then circling back to the title of this, like how BTS stays hungry, to which Sugar says like, oh, people people change. What did he say mm-hmm. exactly? He said, um, I'm one of those people, quoting, I'm one of those people who think that not only do people change, but people must change. So I guess... Maybe some people might think, oh, BTS are at their peak. What more can they achieve? But Shuga says, like, there is, you kind of have to stay hungry as an artist. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I guess you, for some people, maybe, like, they can say, oh, BTS made it. Like, you know, now they can kind of, like, do whatever. But, you know, as an artist, there's, you always get inspired by different things. There's always more to the story. You can always write more. So, for BTS, that's still where they are. Like, there's more to them. They might look like like they are at their peak, to which even if they were, they're still hungry for more. Yeah, he was like, now nah, they're not hungry. They're hangry. Yes. Angry, which, hungry. Yes. <laughs> yes, I'm hangry. <laughs> like, that's exactly what I thought of today. We're on the same wavelength. <laughs> As I read the article, I literally sang that out loud. I got to that part. Like, Kobe. <laughs> yes. Now, moving on from Sugar, let's go ahead and jump into Jen. Genia. So, Jen's title was BTS Jen on Rock Style Songs, Life Off the Road, and Being Very Handsome. <laughs> His main quote was When we couldn't go on tour, do this over. When we couldn't go on tour, Everybody felt really a sense of loss, a sense of powerlessness. So with Jin, um, I like how his really just like kicked off, you know, with him being his goofy self. Like, yes, like I'm good looking. Like we just filmed this variety show yesterday and everybody lost it about, you know, my handsomeness, my face. Okay. And then like the interview is like, oh, even through the mask, I could could tell (laughs) that, you know. That your hands on or whatever like that. And so um I know that like the following question it was like, oh, what if you learned about yourself in this year off of the road? And he was like, being off the road for a year gave him time to like reflect on, you know, what he wants and mm-hmm. who he is. He was like, and kind of sort of love himself because he was like, I got the chance to sleep a bit more, you know, I got the chance to do things that make me feel more satisfied. He was like, I learned that, hey, I like exercising, you know, that brings me some joy. He's like, you know, he likes playing games and watching movies and things like that, like normal everyday things. He was like, he learned like, hey, I like those things and those things make me feel energized. So I thought that that was like nice like oh yes got to discover something new about yourself wasn't that us during the pandemic that was probably all of us 
yeah, well, I mean, some people like, yo, well, get me out of this house. I've got to go. <laughs> and then they talked um, about like um, his song, like Abyss. Mm-hmm. And you know, like how he was feeling down in the abyss, which is like abyss is like kind of like a void. And like, you know, like when he was like, you know, writing those lyrics, but writing the song kind of helped him alleviate some of those emotions. To which now they went a little bit into like, hey, Moon. Moon is a great guitar, you know, driven song. I didn't know this, but Jen would like to record songs that are like leaning more towards rock. Mm -hmm. To which Jen says like, you know, as long as it's like appropriate for the like for the Steve for the team, like to match their style, like he wouldn't be like opposed to it. Which I'm just like, yes, give me rock BTS. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I don't think I'll refuse any rock style songs that come our way. Like I'm down as long as this, you know, like you said, as long as this suits the team, the team let's get it. And I'm just like, yes, I would like to hear that. <laughs> but I feel like um, his rock is gonna be more like indie rock sounding, indie rock, like how. Yeah. Was it like the Brit Rock, the Spring Day? Oh, yeah. Mm, no. I'm thinking more like how Moon sounded. Uh, I would like to see that BTS. Yeah. Doing that. And then they went a little bit into like his um, background. So the interview was like, you know, your, your background was like originally like acting. And then you kind of had to like sing and learn to dance and then he's like you know what was that like and you know Jen is like you know I might lack in some areas because it might take me a little bit more time to learn choreography Mm -hmm. and he says like he works harder that way like he like I guess he doesn't have to set his members back so he said, like, during training, like, you know, he would come dance practice, like, an hour early and maybe, like, leave afterwards just to practice. And I'm just like, you know, practice makes perfect. We can't all learn at the same level. And mm-hmm. whether this doesn't even include, I feel like this is anything basically in life, whether it's work, there are people who are going to get it the first time and there are people who are going to need a little bit more time. Doesn't mean anybody is better than the other. They're just working. They're learning is just different. Yeah. I liked whenever they were talking about his singing and how, you know, he, the, I guess like the interview was like, oh, when did you realize you've achieved some mastery at singing? And he was like, oh, I don't think that there's really a moment that he feels like he's arrived, quote unquote, as a singer. He was like, he doesn't feel like he's a mastered singing. Mm-hmm. And he was like, but as a singer, you know, he feels a duty and an obligation to bring joy to the audience. And he was like, and then he started noticing, you know, the more that like they toured, that the audience was liking what he was doing and, you know, was sharing the same emotions and was resonating with, you know, his performances. And he was like, you know, whether it be his singing or just the performance, he was like, he began to realize that he was able to communicate with the artist. And isn't that what music is here to do? Yes. To help, like, you know, connect people. Like, you know, they'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, man, music translates um, language, languages. you know? 
mute music helps you like you know feel which i feel like it's something that we always you know we say on this podcast i know i say that i feel like if it hasn't been on this podcast i know that i've said this to you like you know off the podcast like while we're talking like oh man like yes like i feel like whenever depending on like your vocal performance whatever like that you're supposed to evoke those emotions and music is supposed to make you feel i want to feel what you're feeling that's how i know that you're giving me the vocal performance that the song required mm-hmm. i feel what you're feeling like when i listen to blue and gray like i feel what tay wants wanted me to feel i feel comforted you know yeah and this through reminding me this reminded me of like when he said that when like resonating with fans this reminded me of like of epiphany whenever it was during the concerts oh, what a beautiful moment Woo! Whether it's like pre before the concert and everybody just kind of singing along or army bombs going back and forth or during the actual or during actual Jin's performance. Ah, that was an experience. Epiphany is oh man, yeah. Epiphany is something else live. When the whole crowd starts doing the ah, ah, like, oh my gosh. Take me Ooh. back. Yes. <laughs> I feel like really Jen really found his footing um, whenever he started performing Awake. You could tell like during the Wings tour, like when you watch like certain performances, yes. like he really grew. As an artist, yes. Yeah, I love Awake. Awake is such a good song. It's a great song. On what? That Let album. me hit my background vocals. I'll be right there with Jen. I got <laughs> you on the background. What? I'm in there. No lie, no lie yet. <laughs> Awake is my jam. <laughs> so, and then talking about like singing and songs, later on in the interview, he did like um, the interviewer like asked, like, you know, how does, you know, BTS song come about? Like, how do you decide who sings what? And to what John said, to what Jin said, like, when a song is finished, they kind of all sing it. And then, once they listen to it, they determine um, what line suits which member. Mm-hmm. And, like, they try to work that out. Which, obviously, their songs take months in preparation. It's not like a weekly thing where, like, they pop in the studio and they're just like, oh. Some of their songs, not all songs, but some of these songs, like, take quite a bit of a time. Because they kind of have to see what members match. And I thought that was very um, interesting. And also because, <laughs> no, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. I feel like I, we've heard them say that before, but, you know, I always like for it to be reiterated. Yes. You know, to, you know, calm the nerves of those people that be like, why didn't they, this person sing this part of the song? What about the line distribution? How many seconds more did this member sing than this member? Why Rest your nerves. <laughs> the group figured it out. I feel like, especially like in these later years. Like, yeah. Jin's interview was funny because um, the interviewer asked him, like, what about Bang PD? Like, the genius. And, you know, like, I like, <laughs> I like the relationship between Jin and Bang PD is very funny. I love that. Like, on the same level. And Jin was like, listen, that man, it was just luck. He could not have done this without us. <laughs> He said it was luck. Had we not been here, he would not be he would not be a billionaire right now. 
doing? Where is the lie? I know he was joking. <laughs> it was like, I mean. <sighs> Whew, that part had me crack it up. <laughs> Jane, Jane. I love how they made note too in the article. It was like, he's saying this cheekily. Like, you know, <laughs> like in a joking manner, you guys. But still, once again, where's the lie? No lies detected. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. So from Jen, last but definitely, definitely not least, we have our leader, president, king of Namkanda, <laughs> RM. <laughs> RM's title was A Deep Conversation with BTS's RM on his group's early years, Drake whether BTS is K-pop, and more. And then the quote right underneath that is, I had a sense of urgency and desperation about going after my dreams, says BTS's leader. I like that they said that, like, that's the leader. <laughs> and then, like, they started off with, like, Namjoon, like, quoting, like, he says, like, he's somebody who wanted to go, like, to a top college, like, an Ivy League school. And I was like, yes, Namjoon, get your education. <laughs> And then he trusted Bang PD. <laughs> and then he said, like, you know, he had to, like, you know, walk a different path. And, you know, they kind of introduce him, like, you know, a rapper, songwriter, producer, like, you know, and they say, like, how he's essential to BTS's, to BTS. Because Namjoon pretty much writes almost on every single song or he is credited on probably every single group song. Yeah, I like how they they kind of did that for every member as well. Like, you know, gave like the specifics like, oh man, this is what they bring to the table. Because they were like, yo, without sugar, you wouldn't have like this, like, you know. <laughs> and I feel like with Namjoon, it was like, oh man, like he's start provoking like his, his interest in the way and the things that he reads about it plays into BTS's music because he brings that to it. So yeah, I like that. Yeah, this... Interview was this interview was heavy. You feel that? I had to read it multiple times. Mm, okay. Not only because I only wanted to like understand what he was saying in certain parts. I don't feel like it was heavy. I just feel like it was thought provoking for me. It was also. All right. So, um, the interviewer started off by like, you know, you've quoted like a great abstract artist, Kim Wan-Ki. Kim Wan-Ki, yes, recently. Who said like, you know, I'm Korean. That's what he said in quotes. I'm Korean and I can't do anything not Korean. I can't do anything apart from this because I am an outsider. And the interview was like, yo, you said that's the key thing of what you've been thinking about lately. How does this idea kind of like apply to your work um and then he went about like how i guess different western and i want to say like western korean or western and eastern music is like he went about like how do i explain this <laughs> like how he went about like how there's different characteristics of each so Western music has its own like characteristics and then Eastern music kind of has its own characteristics, but sometimes they converge and merge mm-hmm. and then it kind of create this, this new thing. 
Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I tried to see what it is. Now I'm just saying, and I'm trying to explain this to myself like I was fine. I guess that's, he says like he's very grateful for BTS to be existing in that same time period. Mm-hmm. Or this time where like um, boundaries are starting to sort of blur between music all around the world. You know, people, now you have, not even BTS, you have like, oh, and like a singer from Nigeria collaborating with like a singer from like the US and they like, create this harmonious thing and like, that's what he was referring to, basically. I was just giving an example. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, another thing that still got to me was whenever they were like, oh, there's so much great Korean hip-hop, including, you know, your early heroes, Epic High. It was like, who are still active? Because they are. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, what'd you hear in it early on, and what do you hear in it now? And he was like, oh, you know... There's always, you know, a process of when something new comes to another culture. He was like, where the identity gets transformed and it changes and adapts to this new place. And he was like, obviously, there's differences between, you know, Korea and the United States that affect the music. And he was like, because this 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 line here really stuck out to me a bit. He was like, because Korea is not a multi-ethnic country like the United States. And he was like, so there's different sensitivities underlying in the music which I feel like is very, 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 very true. Korea is homogenous and the U.S. is not. And I feel like um, that goes into play with a lot of places that are homogenous as opposed to like the U.S. and how we view things culturally, like how we view uh, cultural appropriation, like us here, like Mm -hmm. Black Americans, because me, I'm a Black American. It's like, you know, the way we view those type of things we view them very differently. And, you know, and in Korea, it's like everybody looks like you for the most part, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. So you don't have to, like, I can't, I can't imagine, like, living in a place where I wouldn't necessarily have to experience racism because everybody, for the most part, looks like me. Like, maybe colorism, but... Yeah, not racism. racism. I can't imagine that. Like living somewhere like that. Right. And I, US hip hop, a lot of it stems from the oppression because you know it was created by black people. A lot of it stems from the oppression that black Americans faced in that regard. So when he was talking about how it's been adapted to fit, you know, the Korean standards, I'm like, yeah, it's gonna be different. So that part stuck out to me. Like I said, it was thought provoking <laughs> to me. Like it had my gears like, going. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was like, "Come on!" <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So that was definitely one thing. And he was like, "Yeah, you know." And I try to balance that inspiration, you know, from Korean rappers and American rappers. And he was like, "You know." And I think now, though, that there's a convergence, you know, with all genres of music. And to that, I, I do kind of agree that there is a bit of a conversion, a convergence with um, with genres of music because we're definitely seeing like some crossovers these days. Like, for instance, Lil Nas X, you know, you got rap and country, <laughs> like, you know, with Old Town Road and 
you know, but then again, I don't know. That's kind of been happening as well. Because the first, like, hip-hop country moment I remember was, like, Nelly and Tim McGraw. And I remember that was, like, a big deal. It was a song called All Over Again. For those of y'all that remember that song, like, that was a big deal. <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, in a way, I do. I do. So, I agree with that. And then they went into their, like, um, like I guess, identity mm-hmm. as being, like, you know, this idea of being, like, a rapper and an idol. And I know BTS references this multiple times in, like, their songs. And I guess it's, like, the interview was, like, you know, like, can you explain to me, like, how that conflict and, like, why it was, like, important at that time? So I think, obviously, BTS are, like, they're going to change their way of thinking. But I guess for, how do I call it? Like for the audience, basically, I don't want to. I don't want to say it's like maybe the general Korean GP or like whatever. But there's a difference between like an artist and an idol. Like there's a clear distinction, and I feel like maybe BTS did struggle with that, like in their earlier years. I mean, RM has referenced this in his first mixtape, RM, The Awakening. And, you know, like, yeah, I'm an idol. F you, I'm an idol. You know, I love to get that title. And then I guess as as the years kind of wore on and their music genre starting to bend a little bit, not even a little bit more, hip-hop, pop, and, you know, they tried diversifying their music. Their stance, I guess, on a lot of these topics started changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it got to a point like whether I'm an artist or whether I'm an idol, it really doesn't matter. As long as I can get my voice through somebody, that's all that matters. I, this, this rang different for me. Okay. Um, somewhat similar, but for some reason, I don't know why, but this article really like had it click for me because like, in Korea, you know, they call their artists idols. And what they would call an idol is what we would call over here in the States a pop star. That's what it would mean. And so in this article, they mentioned that. And I was like, that's so true. And so for some reason, it really clicked to me what that struggle was more so. I had, I wouldn't say I didn't get, you know, the whole idol versus like, I'm a real hip hop artist. <laughs> you know? Because I feel like all, like, in Korea, I feel like they're like, ooh, I'm a real hip-hop artist. Like, ooh, look at me. I'm hard. I wear my baggy jeans or whatever. I feel like a lot of that is just them trying to emulate what they think is, quote-unquote, hip-hop from, you know, the States. And it's like, it's not ringing authentic. But, you know, that's me as a Black American. I'm sorry. It's not ringing. <laughs> it's like, I feel like a lot of y'all are just try-hards. <laughs> so, um. But yes, like in regards to the pop star moment, I feel like a lot of artists have that where it's like, oh man, you know, I can't be taken seriously because I'm considered as a pop artist. Uh, I remember um, like NSYNC has a song called Pop and it was all about that. Like, oh man, you know, like we're real artists, whatever like that. 
like this pop gonna be sticking around. We not going nowhere. Da 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 da. Like we real deal or whatever like that. I feel like Beyonce had the same kind of thing. It was like, oh man, she can't be considered a real singer or whatever like that because she makes pop uh-huh. kind of sounding music, you know, whatever like that. And Beyonce is Beyonce. Hello. And it was <laughs> she was having those moments. Like when it comes to like being like a pop star, because it's seen as being so commercialized in the same way that the idol industry is considered mm-hmm. to be commercialized. People will be like, oh man, you're not an authentic artist. You're not real. In that way. And I feel like, yeah, they have gotten to the point where it's like, oh man, you know, at the same time, we don't really care. But I feel like within the fandom, we still fight to claim BTS's authenticity. We're still always like, oh man, but they're bigger than that. You don't understand. Listen to the message. You know what I mean? BCS's lyrics are so in-depth. If you were really reading the lyrics, you would understand how authentic BCS is. Like, do is that not what we say? We're still fighting and clamoring for that respect for them to this day. Yes. So he's like, oh man, it really doesn't bother me. But like us as fans, we'd be like, don't try them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's true, like like what you're saying, because you tell somebody like, oh, I listen to BTS, and the first thing they give you is like, ooh, you listen to that music, right? It's usually not like the problem's not even is the fact that it's pop music, yeah, or even still, like people be like, oh man, you listen to BTS, you listen to K-pop, and it's like BTS isn't K-pop, BTS is bigger than K-pop. Do people not do that as well? Like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> which they brought it up right which was enough that's why i said it like his really had my juices going like <laughs> namjoo was like to us like the the labels like it don't mean much to us but we can yeah. see how the industry will be fighting over this like for forever and it doesn't mean that much to me we say this all the time like i don't know if we've ever said it on the podcast this is gonna be me and viv's private conversations all about to be uh, like semi-privy i know like me and you have talked before i'd be like i don't understand why people be like oh my gosh bts isn't k-pop like why why do people fight so hard for that if bts doesn't fight so hard for it i'm like i don't understand that i've never gotten that i never will get that (laughs) Because it ties into what Namjoon was saying of how people react to like anything when you pop. Ooh. Yeah, the, authentic- the authenticity of it all. But I feel like that that's the reason why people say that exactly. is because they're like trying to prove that BTS is authentic. Because he, he brought it up. He was like, K-pop, what is it? Because some people, right. their song is What, what is K-pop? Especially these days, it's like, is Dynamite considered to be K-pop? Is K-pop is it? only is only K-pop because they're Korean? But then, you know, other groups have foreign members. Like, oh, he was saying. I was like, which I feel like is a thing that we've said. Like, whenever, um, I remember, like, the first year, whenever BTS, not BTS, I'm sorry. Whenever MTV, I believe, came out with that K-pop category. And we were like, what is yes. K-pop? Remember that? Mm. <laughs> we were like, what is what, it? What is it? Why, why is it here? <laughs> right. We were like, because some of the songs also had like English versions to the songs. And we were like, is that K-pop? Like, we, <laughs> like it's so hard to put a label on it. Mm-hmm. 
But a lot of people are starting to do the quote unquote K-pop thing, like how they do with like music videos and how they're doing their drops. People are also going to probably start doing photo cards and their stuff. Like people are really the with how big it's getting and how much it's growing. Artists from other places are starting to adapt the quote unquote K-pop way. Yes. I definitely see again. Yeah. Oh, this was great. <laughs> and then they talked about um, how their most beautiful moment in life kind of changed the game for them. Mm-hmm. In terms of like, I guess their vulnerability. I can't even say it. Vulnerability. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so their previous image was like, you know, or I guess what they were standing for or that phase they were in from um too cool for school all the way through um was it school love affair no danger uh not danger (laughs) dark and wild (laughs) dark and wild it was very um edgy you know yes (gasps) that kind so like and then in the mood for love Mm mm-hmm Come on, Korean (laughs) In the Mood for Love, part one hit. And then that was like a complete different image for them. Mm -hmm. For them to be, um, it was like more honest. And I feel like this comes at the, um, mm. did they, did they record American Hustle Life prior to this? Because I know. I American know, Hustle Life was very early on. Yeah, because I know in a billboard, in a billboard interview, like they were saying how like th- whatever their, whatever their thoughts of what hip hop looked like, like I guess yes. after filming that they realized like hip hop is just living, being true to yourself. Yes, I remember specifically um, Warren G telling them stop trying to emulate black artists this is why once again when i was telling you oh it comes off to me as like a bit try hard you know and mm-hmm. i'm not saying like sometimes you know you can be that way like while you're living in korea but i feel like a lot of it is them trying to portray a character and even namjoon was like oh he felt like it, it was kind of the same for him for in that beginning aspect and Warren G was like just be yourself like do hip-hop and you know, make it relate to you. You don't have to emulate black American artists. You can make it relate to you. And I feel like he really took that to home. And so, like, although American Hustle Life definitely has some cringy moments, it definitely does. Um, I'm grateful that they did that. Yes. Because I feel like that really helped them open up and respect, you know, hip hop and, you know, just. I don't know the music that they you know were so influenced by like I feel like that helped and so which is part of why I rock with BTS which is why I gave birth to In the Mood for Love part one mm-hmm. and that's showing their growth yeah I feel like like the most beautiful moment in life um, was definitely a turning point for BTS you can definitely sell like that is the bts that like newer fans and fans that joined like around like 2017 or whatever like that yeah 
is whenever they be like, oh my gosh, BTS, the message, the love yourself message, da 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 da. Like, this is that turning point. This is when that came in because at first, you know, they were all like, you know, going up against the man, fighting that injustice. You know what? Click, click, bang, bang. <laughs> yes. And them songs still go. It, they do. Yes. <laughs> I'm definitely a fan of those songs. And I guess this was also like a new journey, a new journey for them. Mm. And I'm pretty sure they must have been fight. I guess fearful when you're trying something new that you're not used to doing. And obviously, you know, you're kind of like, "Ugh, will this work? Will this work?" And it worked for them. It did. Um, and I felt like that's when we really started getting BTS and being like experimenting with their music, just period. Because then Wings came around, and then they did something big different and then you got you know love yourself her dna came in super poppy yes their most poppy <laughs> well until dynamite hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and boy with love boy with love is also very poppy um but yeah so there's also that aspect another thing that stood out to me was you know what um i guess like what changed no. Uh, what was the question? Hold on. Do, 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 do. Oh, I didn't take a picture of that question. Um. Oh, he's like, what music really changed your idea of what's artistically possible? He was like, oh, I started with Nas and Eminem, the golden age of hip hop. I love that this is what Namjoon considers to be the golden age of hip hop. And he's like, and the turning point was Drake. In 2009, when he released So Far Gone, we know Namjoon loves Drake. Like, that's a Drake stand right there. <laughs> he's like, that album was kind of shocking for me because it was kind of a freaky thing that a rapper actually sang. And he was like, and so after that, a lot of rappers began to sing. And, you know, and started putting melodies into their songs across the genres between raps and melodies. And so I remember um, like whenever he was like making music and stuff like that, like his solo stuff, I remember like the members were teasing him like, oh, you're starting to sing on your songs. Like, oh, you're trying to be like Drake. I remember that. I was like, oh, okay. But I do disagree with him in this regard, but I liked that he was like, for him, that's when it was but he was saying like in general that that's when it started it started because of drake but i'm like no that's for you <laughs> because in actuality sweetheart no okay. i was like no rap like songs and like singing and rap music had already kicked off like one rapper that they really sticks out to me with is ja rule i remember when ja rule started singing on songs on his rap songs and he started collaborating with female singers as well and i remember he got made fun of it like made fun of for it Mm -hmm. like bad i remember at that time him and 50 cent had beef and 50 cent was like ragging on him like crazy basically like took down this man's whole career and then turned around and did the same thing that he was doing so I definitely remember that. And Ja Rule was like around like very early 2000s. Like I remember Mesmerize, for instance, he sings on that track with Ashanti. And that came out in probably like 2001, 2002. So that was already a thing that was happening. Also, Soulja Boy was also doing that. Uh, Andre 3000 from Outkast was definitely singing on the tracks. Do you not remember Hey Y'all? Like... <laughs> Andre 3000 was definitely a genre-bending rapper, okay? 
three stacks was all over it. Like, Andre 3000 is iconic. So there's many and plenty of rappers that were singing on tracks, even Nas. So Jay-Z. Jay-Z also has the amazing song, Song Cry. Like, I could just run it down. I'm so sorry. I love hip-hop. So it's like, no. But, like, you know, I understand. You know you love Drake. I get it. Like, Mm -hmm. I understand. (laughs) So, you know, Drake is Drake. (laughs) Yeah, but Nam Jones article, yeah, like I said, again, for the umpteenth time, thought provoking. <laughs> it definitely was that. But yeah, I think that's gonna go ahead and wrap up this episode. It's been long enough. We've been here for a hot minute. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, let's go ahead and do our you know thing where we represent what we represent yo it is late represent what we represent represent (laughs) (laughs) let me give y'all a song to listen to aka our song of the week even though it's not really a song of the week because our bonus episode just dropped and we already gave y'all another song but let's go ahead and quote unquote give them that song of the week Viv. what is your song song of the week is first love Hey, okay. And my song is going to be. Let me see. Hmm. Butterfly. Butterfly. Every time. Like a butterfly. Always comes in with a vocal. <laughs> but yes. Um, but yeah, that goes, like I said, we're done. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Deuces. Wait, wait. Remember. Remember, guys. Hey, that guy stole my bogle stick. <laughs> I'm never gonna do that! <laughs> Bye, y'all. Oh my god.